Mr. Steves. This is Anna. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with me. You're welcome. Okay, so I guess um, my first question would be, um, you're an advocate for, the, for travelers to be temporary locals. Can you describe what you mean by that phrase and perhaps offer a story maybe of your travel experiences and how that wouldn't have happened if you weren't right in the midst of everything? Yeah, when you're traveling, you, and the irony to me is people spend more money to have a better trip, and in so many cases, the more money you spend, the bigger wall you build between you and what you traveled so far to see. I mean, if you go to a fancy hotel, you're going to meet, you're going to spend triple what you have to every night, and you're going to meet people wearing, you know, um, uh, uh, sort of tuxedos that want to carry your bag to your room, and you're, you're, the only people you're going to meet are people that want you to give them a good tip. Whereas you, if you stay in somebody's home, for instance, in a bed and breakfast, there you're going to be friends with this family. You're going to be watching TV and having tea and cookies with them at night. If they play the pipe organ in their church, and if you play the organ, they'll take you over there and you can give it a whirl. Uh, you can go to a soccer game together. You can talk politics together. Uh, you can go out and pick grapes with them the next day. And if there happens to be a, a wine festival in the village, the only people dancing are going to be grape pickers, and some of them are tourists like you too. So there's ways where you can really connect with the people and when I say travel like a temporary local, uh, kind of the driving thing there is uh, people is what carbonates the travel experience. Whether I'm making a guided tour or writing a guidebook or making a TV show, if I'm not connecting my travelers with people in Europe, the, the experience will be flat. So that's what I want to do is connect people to people, and you do that be, by becoming a temporary local. Uh-huh. What a wonderful concept. Um, are there any particular stories where you've kind of been been like within the people and you just really appreciate it? Any particular stories yeah. stand out well, to you, I guess? Yeah. Well, yeah, when you're traveling, if, you know, you can read in a book um, about how the Czech people won their independence. But if you are standing in front of the president's palace with a person who you've befriended who was there in their velvet revolution, their peaceful revolution when they won their freedom, you're standing right there, and instead of reading out of a history book, you're talking to a Czech friend in Prague, and he says, for eight nights in a row, 100,000 of us gathered outside of the president's palace, and we're all dangling our keychain up at the president's window and saying, it's time to go home. And then on the ninth night, we all gathered again here, we dangled our keychains, and the president was gone. Wow. You know, they had won their independence. Now, to read about that is exciting, but to stand there with somebody you've met and hear that story from somebody who actually experienced that, that becomes much more real. Oh, how and that's just one of, you know, many examples of how when you meet people, they can make the whole travel experience more vivid. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Um, have you seen yourself change at all since you started traveling? I know that you kind of began with a backpacking trip after graduation. Do you still feel that same magic and that same excitement when you go on trips? It's funny. I've been going to Europe for four months a year now for 30 years, and, um, of course, these days I'm traveling most, mostly, you know, for work. I'm, I'm going over there to update my guidebooks or scout or produce my TV shows or help organize our tour program. Um, and I'm very passionate about just the whole work of going over there and organizing all, all of the, the information so people can learn from our experience and travel better. And one of the most exciting things for me as a teacher is to think that, of course, there's all sorts of technological changes that enable people to travel smarter and more efficiently these days. But the fundamental magic of travel is exactly the same as when I was a student traveling around Europe. I know my son is uh, like 23 years old now, and he's uh, really enthusiastic about traveling around Europe. And uh, he's having the same sort of wonderful experiences 
that I had when I was his age. Um, one of my favorite things as a travel writer is to have excerpts from the journal that I wrote when I was a student that's still in my guidebooks and have come upon students now, a generation later, being inspired by the same thing that inspired me uh, back in the 70s. So um, I think the magic is still there. You've got all sorts of ways to travel, you know, much more efficiently. Uh, and, of course, you've got all sorts of communication, technology, and everything that makes things easier. But the basic fundamentals of travel are exactly the same. Uh-huh. With the mention of technology, how have you seen seen uh, tourism and, and the tourists change and the places you encounter change uh, with all the technology and globalization? Well, techno there's a lot of dimensions of technology. For instance, uh, transportation is, is uh, light years ahead of what it used to be. In the old days, it took eight hours to go from Madrid to Seville. Now it's a two-and-a-half-hour trip. In the old days, it took nine or ten hours to go from Paris to London. Now you do it in two-and-a-half hours. Imagine two and a half hours from Big Bend to the Eiffel Tower, 17 minutes under the English Channel Tunnel. Um, all over Europe, they're investing in their infrastructure like we can't imagine. I was just in Munich at a train station taking pictures of um, trains coming into the station, specifically taking pictures of, of birds squished onto the windshields of trains as they came into the station. And when I looked at that, I thought, wow, you'd wait all your life to see a bird squished onto the windshield of a train where I live. But here in, in Germany, it's commonplace to to see uh, that uh, unfortunate example of how fast trains are. Um, uh, things have changed because of technology for uh, banking. In the old days, it was really a drag to change traveler's checks. Now you use your ATM and you can get money at the beautiful bank-to-bank -bank rate instead of the miserable tourist-to-teller rate mm -hmm. at, uh, at ATM uh, outlets 24-7 um, anywhere in Europe. Um, of course, Europe is uniting, so you don't have to show your passport when you cross borders. People are speaking better English than ever before. Uh, and in the old days, it was really a challenge for parents to know where their student, their kids were when they're traveling around Europe. Now everybody's in touch all the time with with uh, internet and cell phones and, and Skype and that kind of thing. Have you seen the the characteristics of the people and the the locals, I guess, of the villages that you go to change much? Have I seen the what? Uh, I guess the characteristics of the people that live in the villages change much. Well, the Europe has become more affluent in the last generation, so okay. you know a lot of us have. Um, romantic notions of seeing these, you know, babushka kind of women bent over with walking sticks and black morning dresses. And, uh, you know, now old people have orthodontia and they go to athletic clubs and, uh, and they don't wear black dresses so much and the people live longer and live healthier. So all that's part of, uh, you know, uh, greater affluence and modernity. So it takes a little bit of the romantic uh, edge off of Europe, but, but, uh, that's one, Interesting dynamic is a lot of romantic tourists are looking for women at the village well with pottery jugs on their balance on their heads, and the reality is, um, you know, they're all just as modern as we are. There used to be a big difference between cities and towns and, and villages, and you still find more traditional lifestyles in the villages, that's for sure, but the modern world has permeated all these countries in Europe now, so you'll find uh, uh, it's tougher to find the uh, it's impossible, really, to find the uh, remote, isolated communities like you could in the past. Uh-huh. Um, for Americans with financial restraints or maybe poor health or something, uh, any reason that they wouldn't be able to travel, what message would you have for them? How could they view the world as more enlarged and really get the experience still? You mean, how can people uh, have the, the joy of traveling who don't have money to actual travel? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I think that... Um, uh, we have to remember 
uh, one of the most beautiful things about travel is it makes you more comfortable with the diversity on this planet, and it makes it really clear that we're nine, we're four percent of this planet, and ninety-six percent is outside of our borders. And there's a lot of people that find comfort in the notion that we are exceptional, but we are not exceptional. You know, we are all children of God. And uh, when you travel, you realize that the fact that people are different is something to celebrate rather than be afraid of. And um, I think uh, the challenge for somebody that doesn't have the financial wherewithal to actually go over there and humanize the rest of the planet is to be enlightened enough where you can humanize other people without physically going there. And there are ways to, there are plenty of ways to do that. You can host people here. You can be active in international communities here. You can seek out information that challenges truths that you were raised thinking were self-evident and God-given. I think Americans pride themselves in, in having media without censorship, but if we don't have censorship, it's only because we are so good at self-censoring. And um, it's unfortunate that more Americans aren't more media savvy when it comes to finding out who's who's uh, creating media and amplifying it and uh, why. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just it's more important than ever that Americans uh, realize that anybody that's trying to make you afraid of the rest of the world has an agenda, and they're up to no good. Mm-hmm. And that the flip side of fear is understanding. And basically, I think fear is for people who don't get out very much. So you can get out by physically traveling, or you can get out by getting your hands on information that helps you uh, celebrate rather than fear the diversity on this planet. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What characteristics have you seen in other cultures that you would like to see Americans embrace more? And what uni- uniqueness have you seen in cultures uh, in our cur- culture? Excuse me. Are you most excited about to share? You know, the beautiful thing about traveling is you you uh, hang out with people who see things differently. And uh, it, it really wallops your cultural self-assuredness. I think um, any big culture like the United States or China or India or Russia tends to be ethnocentric. Mm-hmm. Small groups, you know, Belgians, Norwegians, Sri Lankans, it's tougher to be ethnocentric when you're just a tiny little nation. But big nations think they're the norm and everybody else, you know, it's like Americans are quick to say the British drive on the wrong side of the road. Not the wrong side of the road; it's the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you travel, uh, you gain an appreciation for that. I mean, every country has, um, you know, it's it's sort of a it's a festival of uh, different ways of looking at things, and uh, everybody has the same challenges, and they deal with them differently. I love to pick and choose and take home aspects of other cultures I like, and and then be thankful I get home and don't have to live that way for other aspects of the way other people live. I think one thing about America is we are so um, driven materially. We, when we say, what's your well-being, we mean, oh, you mean material well-being. You know, material well-being is almost hyphenated. Um, and in other cultures, they don't measure well-being by, uh, by things and by money, whereas that's part of our ethic here is to, you know, be this wonderful capitalist uh, utopia, I guess. Um, you, in our country, time is money. And in other countries, people aren't so... Um, intense with their time you know in our culture think of how we treat our our the word time with just words we we treat it like money we we save it we invest it we waste it uh, we bank it we uh, it's time this is money uh in other cultures it's not so much that way um in other cultures they're more uh socialistic it doesn't mean they're communist it's nothing to do with stalin mm-hmm. uh it just means that they work together better as a community 
Yeah, so when you go to Europe, you find people that have a higher bar for what's decent in their society. And, you know, in the case of, for instance, taxes, which is really a big point of conversation in the United States, they're happy to pay higher taxes because they want to live in a society where there's, uh, you know, where everybody has education and health care, regardless of the uh, economic status of their parents or mm -hmm. something like that. So we can learn from other people. And then, of course, they can learn from us. I think there's a lot of beautiful things about the United States that other people can learn. Uh, as a businessman, I'm thankful to be running my business in the United States. I'd be demoralized if I had to run my business in Europe, and that's uh, something I, I'm thankful for. Um, I think that uh, in the United States we have the separation of uh, church and state, which is a beautiful thing, and a lot of Muslim countries are struggling with the separation of mosque and state, and they can learn that. Uh, we have a sort of a informality and a, a casual kind of enthusiasm that I think is very charming to a European, and uh, I'm thankful for that, and Europeans like us for that. So uh, it's just a beautiful thing to travel around the world and, and realize that, uh, hey, we all do things a little differently, and we can all, uh, well, you know, uh, share ideas um, and, uh, and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm a sophomore in college, and I, I feel that our country kind of has a workaholic mentality, and I'm nervous that once I graduate, I'll be locked into a career without much flexibility to travel. Uh, what suggestions do you have for a young person like me to avoid avoid that sort of trap? And, and how can we begin to change those cultural attitudes? It is an interesting thing. If you're a student right now looking ahead at, at what sort of an existence are you going to have, and it's in a way it might just be the 9 to 5 cubicle kind of routine, mm -hmm. I'm surprised here in our society when we're as wealthy as we are that we put up with that. Um, I think it's important not to let other people define what is success for you. If you want to be a swim coach or if you want to be a, uh, you know, a travel writer or a tour guide or if you want to be a piano teacher, uh, you should be able to do that. In, now, in Europe, they don't. somebody doesn't get their esteem by how much money they make. They get their esteem by how interesting their brain is. Here in the United States, I, I think uh, it's not quite the same, and uh, it takes people with good character to be able to stand up and say, I don't want to do that with my one life on this planet, and, uh, you know, uh, that's a challenge. Uh, but I think a lot of people really sell out because they're afraid of the material consequences, and they don't think you can be proud of yourself unless you have a nice car and a nice house. Um, so uh, we have some serious um, work to do as a society. And I'm, I'm very concerned, frankly, about uh, the future of the United States for young people because of the uh, power of corporations to be able to dictate uh, what we're going to do with their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can learn a lot by uh, traveling to other countries where it is government by, for, and of the people in spite of the corporations that they own rather than via the corporations that they own. Corporations are a beautiful thing, but they shouldn't, um, they shouldn't uh, hijack uh, all of our ambitions, and they shouldn't uh, dictate to us what is success. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Steves. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate hearing all your insights. Yeah, thank you very much, and I hope you have some uh, good luck with your, your studies, and I hope that you enjoy some good travels.